The opinions expressed on this show do not necessarily represent those of the management of KUCI or the UC Board of Regents. For more information about this show, go to KUCI.org. the only show on these airwaves that dives right into the world of the paranormal, conspiracy, rarities, oddities, and the curious. As always, I'm your host, Stacy, and today we will be talking about a story that many of you might be familiar with, and I would like to give kind of a warning. This is based, or it is a true story, and there has been movies and other types of media that were based on this but it is it it can be a very upsetting story it's not a happy story but it is an important one so just to let all you guys know that just so you know if you're sensitive to some things you might want to not listen but all in all we're not going to get graphic or anything like that it's just not the happiest of stories So what are we talking about today? We are talking about the story of Annalise Michelle. If you are familiar with the movie which came out back in 2005 called The Exorcism of Emily Rose, that's what what that movie was based off of. But of course, that one was, uh, you know, Hollywood had its hands in it. Things are changed. So I'm going to be telling you the actual real accounts that happened. So, who was Annalise Michelle? She was born September 21st, 1952 in West Germany. Her and her family, which consisted of her parents and her three sisters, were devout Catholics. So, she lived a pretty normal life for the most part. In the beginning, you know, she went to school, nothing out of the ordinary from any other girl at the time. But when she was 16, she experienced a seizure and went to the hospital and was diagnosed with psychosis. If you don't know what psychosis is, that is when your thoughts and emotions are impaired and that you lose your contact with reality. So she was diagnosed with psychosis that was caused by a temporal lobe epilepsy. And shortly after, she was diagnosed with depression and treated at a psychiatric hospital. So after this, uh, she was okay for the most part. Of course, she was still suffering with seizures and whatnot, but they gave her medication and things were looking up and up. She actually went to college after she had graduated high school. She went to the University of Wurzenberg. So things were going good. But unfortunately, when she turned 20, her condition worsened and 
she became intolerant of various religious objects. So things like crosses being in the room or Bibles or anything that had like religious significance. It couldn't be in the same room with her. It made her sick. She didn't like it. She was like, get that stuff out of here. So she began to hear voices and began to see things, but it was still, I guess, on the more mild side. Nothing too crazy. She was talking to her parents about it, but they just thought, okay, this is like a result from the epilepsy, you know. Something's happened, you know, but not taking it, not going anything drastic with it. So she was on medications, as I said earlier, and things got worse and she became suicidal. So she went back to the doctors and they gave her all a bunch of rounds of different medications, but nothing seemed to help. As a result of this, she returned home from university and she thought that staying at home would give her time to feel better and recuperate. But alas, nothing was really getting better and her doctor, who kind of gave up and didn't know what to do anymore, suggested to her family that they seek out help through their church and a Jesuit, and a Jesuit just kind of like a religious doctor, who, depending, might not actually have medical experience, but they are through the church. So he suggested seek help through them, considering they were a very devout Catholic family, that would have been an appropriate choice for them. So uh, they they took it into account. They kind of contacted the church, but they were just kind of like, oh, she just needs to go see a regular doctor. Like, this is not in our jurisdiction. Like, just go over there. Like, they just kind of kept tossing her back and forth. No one was really taking anything too seriously. Until she began having more and more extreme symptoms. She told her mom that she would see the face of the devil everywhere and that she heard demons whispering in her ears. And when she tried to pray, the demons would yell at her and tell her that all her prayers were in vain. They also said a lot of things that I cannot say over air, but you can imagine that they were very not nice things. So she was convinced that these demons and these devils and whatnot were trying to possess her. So she told her family, and they contacted the church again and said, hey, like, can we get an exorcism? And they again brushed her off and said, no, even if we would have to then contact a bishop, we'd have to contact someone else. And because you can't really just go to a church and say, hey, give me an exorcism. It's a whole process, and you have to get authorization from higher-ups. So, again, they were kind of just pushed away. So, as of course, how things go, things got worse. She started ripping off her clothes. She would take, or she would do 400 squats a day, which is a crazy amount. And Annalise was a small girl. She had always been very thin. And she started to have, like, almost like super strength abilities, like not crazy, but things that someone for her body type would not usually be able to do. They did say that once she completely squeezed and destroyed an apple with one hand. So that that's pretty strong in my book. She began crawling around the house on all fours and she barked like a dog for two days 
She also would do things like only hide under the table. She, like, would not act human. She started eating spiders and coal. And she bit the head off of a dead bird. And, yeah, things that are definitely troubling to <laughs> anyone who would see it. We would definitely say, hey, like, we need, we need to do something about this. So they finally got somewhere in their contacts with the church. And they found Ernest Alt, who was willing to perform an exorcism. So Ernest Alt contacted Bishop Joseph Stang and he was like, okay, yeah, I give you full permission to go ahead and do whatever you think is right. You have the power now. It's been cleared. You do what you think is best to help this girl. So he couldn't do it alone, so he teamed up with another priest called Arnold Renz. So at the age of 22, and over the course of 10 months, Alt and Renz conducted exorcisms. Now, exorcisms is not something that I think about frequently, and I don't know what the correct or average number of exorcisms to perform on someone is, but I think most people would agree that 67 exorcisms is going a bit overboard, and that's exactly what they did. 67 over the course of 10 months. So that is like multiple, <laughs> multiple exorcisms a week. And this was not going well. You know, I don't know how long they were going on for, but it, some of them lasted days, some of them were hours. And they were very tolling, not only on Annalise, but her family. And yeah, things were not going good. Now, I don't know why they didn't give up or try something else after the first few times, but they just kept with it. So 67, keep that number in mind. So during the exorcisms, Annalise would reveal that she was possessed by not one, not two, not three, not four, but five different demons. One being Lucifer, one being Cain from, you know, the Abel and Cain. Judas, Hitler, and Nero, and they would all fight for power over her body. And during the exorcisms, the different demons would come forward, and her voice would change, and they would all say things that made sense depicting what demon they were. And there's all records of things that she would say. So if you're really interested, you can find them online if you just Google it. Um, they are pretty troubling, I would say. So be aware of that before you dive into it. It's not light reading, I would say. So one thing that really freaked out the priests who were performing the exorcism is the fact that she knew things that she couldn't have known and that not the average person or even people who were very religious would know. She knew things about priests who were alive like in the 1400s and the crimes they had committed and saying that like she was talking to them and essentially saying things that only other priests would know she had no idea so they were freaked out especially things about Nero and whatnot and she would also know things about the two priests Alt and Renz that 
they hadn't told anyone. So spooky stuff. So, of course, throughout all these exorcisms, they had her restrained because she would kick, try to fight back, you know. So she was restrained, tied to either the floor, a table, a bed. And she ended up breaking multiple bones, including both... She shattered both of her kneecaps and ripped the tendons in her knees as a result of her always being on her knees and praying. Even though her knees were completely destroyed, both the bones and the tendons, during the exorcisms, she could still stand up completely fine without aid and try to fight back and without showing any signs of pain. Like, she would just get up and she could charge, like, do everything, even though she was literally broken. And so it's going to get more sadder from this point. So she stopped eating because she said she didn't deserve to eat. It's important to note that she wasn't acting possessed 24-7. It did get more and more as the 10 months progressed on, but there was still times where she was just Annalise and for the most part was could go about a normal day. And when she was normal, she would tell her family, hey, like, I'm suffering. I don't want to live like this anymore. You know, they're bothering me. They're always, they don't leave me alone. Like, I'm going to stop eating because they tell me I don't deserve to eat. And I know if I stop eating that, like, I'll eventually die and I'll be free from this. So that's exactly what she did. And, of course, eventually she died of malnutrition and dehydration on July 1st, 1976, when she was only 23 years old. Now, if... (laughs) So, obviously, with all that was happening... This became a huge national sensation in Germany. And both her parents and the priests were brought to court. They were charged with a negligent homicide, obviously. And it it was a very complicated court battle. There was a lot of stuff involved. I could get into it, but it is a lot, a lot. So essentially... They were charged with negligent homicide because they did not provide medical help to her after that one doctor told them to go see a Jesuit or go through the church. They stopped going to regular doctors completely. Even when she got really sick, when she had broken bones, when she had cuts, when she had infections, they never sought out help of a medical doctor because they assumed or they trusted the priests that they would fix it and the exorcisms would fix everything. But of course they didn't. Her bones were still broken. She was still dying of starvation. And in court, they tried to justify what they were doing by saying that Annalise herself told them, I don't want to go to a doctor. When she wasn't being exorcised, she would actively say, please don't take me to a doctor. Like the doctors are only going to literally help her but by helping her live physically would prolong her suffering. So they try to use that defense in court. They also provided in the court evidence. They had audio recordings of the exorcisms, which I will not be playing over air, but you can go online and find them. And they are pretty, they were pretty scary, to be honest. 
the voices that are supposedly coming from Annalise do not sound like voices that a normal 23-year-old girl could make. And it's all in German, by the way. So, I mean, there are translations and stuff available, but I guess if you speak German, you won't have to use that. But it is definitely troubling. And there is also photos and things that were taken during the exorcisms. And like I said before, there's a forewarning. They're not pretty pictures to look at. They're uh, literally a girl who is starving to death, covered in bruises, arms like broken, not things that you really want to be looking at on a a Wednesday afternoon. But hey, it's out there if you want to fully understand this story and what Annalise went through. So through the legal battle, the two priests were charged with um, neglectful homicide and they served a whopping six months in jail. A whole six months. Nothing more. Just six months. And they did get three years probation after that and then essentially they were they were free and if you're wondering about the parents, they were let off the hook under the, I guess in Germany, they have like a clause or something that essentially literally says that they had suffered enough already. So why make them suffer legally on top of it, which I don't know. In my opinion, I think I don't think the parents wanted anything bad to happen to Annalise, but I don't think they went the correct routes to get her help, which is really sad, but it is what happened. And this is also one of the only cases that has actually gone to like a legal court system that has to do with exorcisms and paranormal and, you know, these these types of things that have actually been tried to use as legal evidence to get off of a crime of homicide so it's also important in that right but yeah that's a lot of heavy information to take in and like I said her story has been used as the inspiration for the exorcism of Emily Rose which I have personally not watched but I know a lot of people have and they've (laughs) recommended it to me but uh since I've known the the true story, I don't know how much, you know, you, when you know the true story and then you see the Hollywood version, it might get a little offended or, you know, you don't understand why they changed certain things, but whatever. This also reminded me of the, if you watched the movie Veronica, which is actually where the intro music for the show is from. The movie actually has a very beautiful score, but that was also the first and only legal occurrence where a cop uh, in an official report stated seeing something paranormal and said, I saw like a demon or a ghost or a possession. So, and of course her story was completely different, mostly different from the movie, but they are kind of intertwined a lot of people try to relate the two stories and unfortunately both of the girls who the stories about are about did pass away 
that being said, we're going to take a small little break. So stick around. back from our little tiny break there hope you had time to digest i have a special visitor with me would you like to introduce yourself this is dj spartacus yeah so you were listening to this episode outside and i wanted to get your feelings opinions thoughts anything you want to share your feelings are you scared (laughs) you're making a face (laughs) i if I'm not mistaken, this is, like, something that I watched the other day. And I don't do that whole, like, audio recording stuff. That's not okay. That's probably the scariest part for me. Mm-hmm. Is like, hearing things. I don't... <laughs> <laughs> I don't vibe with that. That's... Like, you can tell spooky stories all the time, but, like, I guess the ones that are, like, grounded, like, like, this one, like, the stories that are, or I shouldn't say stories, but, like, these events that are, like, grounded in, like, just, like, happenings, they're more freaky. Because mm-hmm. it's more, it's more, like, bullet points of, like, like, events. Like, right. Just, like, like, systematic events compared to, like, a spooky story that's only aim is to kind of like freak you out so it's like those are a little bit more like tolerable because you just go like oh it's just like shivers down your spine but like for stories like this where you have audio recordings and you have like you have like realism and like something unexplainable in the paranormal world that are like clashing mm-hmm. it's just freaky it's more yeah. like it's more like stomach turning like you don't feel comfortable anymore yeah a lot of people are become upset at this because they think that maybe if you're someone who doesn't believe in anything paranormal that though because she was already very religious that kind of put the idea in her head that she was possessed and the fact that they performed 67 exorcisms 
that doesn't do anything good for your mind. No. To have someone 67 times imagine them telling you you're possessed, we're trying to help you, that's only going to play into... And she was already diagnosed with psychosis, so she already had a misinterpretation of reality. Yeah, and I And they mean, kind of drove her more into insanity. Stuff like that just gets, like, touchy, because, like, I know a lot of people... And this is from somebody that doesn't even know, like, that much about the paranormal explanations of stuff. But, like, I don't know, I feel like, like, a lot of it is, like, where I do think that there could be, like, explanations for stuff like that, or like, paranormal explanations, I do think a lot of it is, like, Mm spoon-fed just from, like, just from, like, religious activity, like, trying to, like, help, but doing, like, really, like, on-edge things that are, like, pushing the actual mind, like, to its end, like, to its edge. So, Mm -hmm. like, I feel like a lot of the time it's, like, spoon-fed. Like, I wonder what it would have turned into if, like, they didn't do exorcisms. Like, I always wonder about that side of it. Like, would it have been the same thing? Are they just, like, is it just freaking out this girl more and she's telling herself now, like, or she's just getting lost and trapped in her own mind? Like, Mm -hmm. it's just, like, weird stuff, but... I mean, aside from just trying to explain it, I don't know. I don't like... It makes me uncomfortable with the whole, like... <laughs> when there's actual, like, tangible events that happened that are, like, unexplainable. Like, I hate... I hate, like, stories where there's, like, leftover, pic- like, pictures of stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, events happening. So you see, like, shattered glass or, like, you actually see writing. That it's not, like... It's not like you go and you see a ghost and the ghost writes your name on the wall. It's like this person was this insane that they wrote something on the wall. That's scary. Like yeah, the it's human more nature of it. Yeah, it's more like the humanity of it is the scarier part. Like the fact that it's tangible and like produced out of a human body is f- more freaky than I think like demons or the paranormal unexplainable like itself. Mm-hmm. Because like one it's like okay there's a ghost standing right in front of you and you're like freaked out and then you're like oh my gosh what's this gonna do compared to a human that is possessed by a ghost or demon looking at you wondering oh my gosh what is this person gonna do it's like 10 times more scary completely different level because you have like it's totally unpredictable like you know that (laughs) because we think we understand man and then when we can't it's yeah i think that's like world. that's like my definition of like paranormal is like if i can't explain it it's influencing like human reactions like that's where i call it quits because i don't i don't do that whole <laughs> that whole audio visual thing where it's yeah, like oh i i promise i will not show it to you <laughs> right after this episode ends no i think i i heard it yeah because you've seen there's it before like, <laughs> yeah i think well i haven't seen it but i heard like you heard, I heard a, the, an audio the clip. audio clips of it and it's not a pretty thing to listen to it's it's in it's inhuman but you it's it's real and you're just like how are these like how is this getting by how come we don't have research about this stuff and that's the big question isn't it so with that being said i hope you all learned something or enjoyed this episode i just like vented that was I know. Like, I just made myself sound dumb. <laughs> it's okay. Make myself sound dumb every week. So, if you enjoyed this episode, you can find more information on theriosity.tumblr.com. 
which is the blog for this show. And of course, you can listen in next week. We do have a pretty good episode coming up in the next few weeks where I interviewed DJ Kaiju and DJ Spatch all about sleep paralysis and (laughs) a whole bunch of stuff. That being said, you're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. The next show is The Art Club. There's going to be a very special guest on that show. They're going to be talking about some cool stuff, so I hope you stick around. Thanks for listening.